In this podcast, we bring together fascinating people to discuss the highlights from their career. My name is Alex Lobert, and welcome to the best job I've ever had. I fundamentally and I passionately feel that film is one of the greatest quintessential collaborative arts. Ultimately, I ended up getting laid off from that place, and I was just not, I didn't have a job. It was like two or three in the morning, I wake up in a cold sweat, no joke, and then rush to my studio, and I throw down what I think is, this is it. We created the entire score for this two-hour film, which ultimately went on to some really major things. On today's show is an award-winning composer, Shuvo Sir. Shuvo is a fascinating person. He started his career as a data scientist with degrees in math and physics. However, his passion is music. Shuvo plays over eight instruments and has performed in numerous bands. Most notably, Shuvo is a freelance composer for film, television, podcasts, and even the occasional video game. Shuvo's work has garnered acclaim. He co-composed the score for Cowboys, a documentary portrait, which won the 2019 Audience Award at the Austin Film Festival, as well as composing for the chart-topping CNN podcast, Down the Hill. Recently, he added the title of Emmy-nominated to the list for his work on the documentary, Serenye. Shuvo's passion, creativity, and grit are inspiring. I can't wait to hear about his best job. Shuvo, welcome to the pod. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Where does the podcast find you today? Today, I'm in beautiful, snowy Washington, D.C. That's a weird one. I know it yeah. doesn't usually snow in, <laughs> in D.C., but I hope the nation's capital is still moving. It's Well, it's moving as, as much as it has been in the last, I don't know, eight to ten years. But yeah, to your point, we haven't had snow here in about two winters, like over 700 some odd days. So this is rock in the area right now, but we're having a good time with it. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm glad you're staying warm. Thanks for joining today, yeah. but let's dive in. Shuvo, what's the best job you've ever had? <laughs> I am a film score composer, and that is definitely the best job I've ever had. What about being a film score composer? Do you love, maybe compare that to some of the other jobs you've had? Sure. So I'm a lifelong musician. I grew up playing classical instruments, particularly the violin from a really young age and playing in orchestras. And and then like all the way through high school and college, we, I played in some very competitive orchestras. And somewhere down the road, particularly in high school, I came across my orchestra director at the time, Scott Laird. In addition to his orchestra duties, he played electric violins in a metal band that was actually quite popular and very successful called Believer. And they were like nationally touring band. And uh, I really hit it off with Scott Laird, Mr. Laird. I'm gonna call him Mr. Laird because I've never, it feels still feels weird (laughs) calling him by his first name. Uh, Even though we're we're still close to this date, to this day, and I still call him Mr. Laird. Anywho, Mr. Laird really introduced me to more alternative forms of traditional string instruments like the violin. Normally when you think of violin, you think of classical instruments, quartet stuff, snooty, like it's violin. It's like the guys playing on the Titanic and stuff. But 
there's a whole world out there where you can like get modern with it. There's electric viol like uh, uh, violins, and there's a use case to to have them in like rock band settings and stuff. So he introduced me to that, and shortly thereafter, I started. I took that and I ran with it. I started writing my own music, like really composing, like breaking away from the mold of of your traditional classical classically trained musician I, I just always had this drive to play and write write play the stuff that I'm writing and so I took that and I ran with it I started playing in bands shortly thereafter like towards the by the end of high school and in college played electric violins and also by then I was playing a ton of piano and keys and then by college, I started playing guitar and drums. It's like picking up like your standard like, rock and roll instruments. And now I'm like a good five years or so into playing in bands where I'm writing my music. I'm improv improvising. I'm doing all sorts of creative things when it comes to like how we're going to put song structures together and albums together and artwork for these albums together. Like I've just something about all of that really spoke to me. And I just haven't stopped. I haven't looked back. Obviously, your passion for music comes through. It's really hard to make money with a passion. What? Tell me about like the business of being a freelance composer. How, how do you manage that? And I, I know that you supplement, I think, with, with another job. Mm -hmm. But tell me a little bit about that. Like, the magic of making money using your passion. Yeah, so it's not easy. And my path and my role isn't is, is fairly unique in that I didn't always start off as a uh, a composer. My background in college, I did not take any arts. I, I did not study the arts that much. I played, my, with the exception of my freshman year, I was a violin performance major for about a semester. And that's it. After that, I quickly pivoted to computer science and physics because I guess we haven't talked about this. My background, I'm, my family's from India and my hardcore Indian dad would probably kill me if I just became like some crazy artist and not at least explore a little bit of like engineering, sciences, medicine, that, right, that sort of stuff. Right. I know that's like a stereotype and whatever, but it, it, it is a little true. My dad's an engineer himself, so he really wanted me to be like... I don't know if I want to support you all the way like, by when you're 50. So, so I went and I pivoted to computer science, finished up my degree there. And then I got a job with IBM as a consultant. So pretty much like the diametric opposite to anything creative. I became a consultant <laughs> with, with, with the big machine, the big blue machine. And so I, and but the what that kind of instilled in me is a you you can't work in that type of field in that environment without at least picking up by osmosis like a business acumen and some sort of entrepreneurial insight. Um, and secondly, the byproduct being that you're making a good steady income. And I was traveling a lot. My role I was in a different city every week and. I quickly learned that I didn't need to have like a, pay rent in an apartment. I'm living out of a suitcase for for years. So I just, I, 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 I leaned into it hardcore. I was living at home with my folks for just Thursdays through Thursday night through Sunday. And I'd be travel. I'd be on the road Monday through Thursday. And 
I did that for several years. And next thing after about five years of this, I have a pretty substantial bank account. I've saved up quite a bit enough to like pivot to a different role. That's like a little bit more stable, like in a different company and settle down, but this is back in the Washington DC area. Uh, and then somewhere in all that, like I, 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 took, I finished up my grad grad school work too. Also in not in the arts as is in physics as well. So with all that said, like I start before he even wrote my first note on a piece of paper for a film, I had a pretty good financial backing. Like, there was not a whole lot of risk on my end before jumping into the scoring things. With that said, like going back to like the entrepreneurial mind, like you have to hustle in 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 the freelance world to get gigs, to get seen, especially when you're starting out. Nobody knows who you are and you're going to need a lot of help. I don't, I got a lot of help from other musicians, other composers. I met a guy who, his name is Ian McLeod, who I still collaborate with to this day. And he was already an established film composer in the DC area. And I just found him online. Like I didn't know anything about him or anything. And I was just Googling stuff online and, and this, his company just popped up. And luckily he was in DC just down the road. So I just picked up a phone and called the number on the website and sent a bunch of emails. And then next thing you know, we were on projects together and uh, we can, I can talk about that in a little bit too. I love that. Yeah. So I, I don't think anybody can really get to where they really want to be, particularly in freelance world without some good deal of help. Um, I listened to a great podcast uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger it was actually the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. He interviewed uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we all know who Schwarzenegger is and, and how successful he is. And he is a grinder. He's an absolute grinder. He came from nothing in Austria. And, and he, his career speaks for itself. Major film star, bodybuilder, governor of a major state in the United States. This guy did it all. And he is the first to admit that in order to get to every single step that he was able to get to required a ton of help. And his lifelong kind of mission is to pay that forward and to provide the help for other people that are trying to do this similar things. And like, that really resonated with me. And, I, and I'm embracing that. I'm not going to say no, if somebody wants to help me and put me on a project, I'm not going to say no to even small projects. And then when somebody who is starting out needs my advice and help for something because I've done it or maybe done it a few times, I'm going to be available. So that, that's so powerful. One, a reminder that asking for help is not weakness. I feel like that's something that has come up a lot, but yeah. it's still a good reminder that to your point, we all get help, even the most successful of us. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And then also, I just, last question here, but I'd love your thoughts on kind of that service mentality and to your point, giving back both to the people that you, that you might be able to mentor and, and probably even your audience. And one thing I've really, is really resonated with me recently is that purpose and feeling fulfilled by work often requires having a mentality of serving others. And I'd love just maybe to close out this. Do you feel that? Do you feel like with your work, you're like, you're able to both, I don't know, help your collaborators, help your, 
your audience? Like, I'm curious how you find service through your work. Yeah, that's a great question, Alex. I'll answer it with this. I feel that film, I fundamentally and I passionately feel that film is one of the greatest quintessential collaborative arts. And there is no one person or one even plot line, just one anything that can take credit for the success or failure of any given film. You have directors, you have cinematographers, you have storyboard designers, you have cast casting managers, you have producers, executive producers, not to mention the on-air, on-screen talent themselves. There's a million people that go into that, that that go into one piece of work. Maybe it starts with just one guy's idea on one sentence on a piece of paper that ultimately involves into a screenplay. But ultimately it takes hundreds of people sometimes, if not thousands of people sometimes to make that little kernel of an idea come to be. And I'm just one of those people on a particular project. And my, my entire worldview when it comes to scoring for a film is that I have to help somebody else's vision or a group of people's vision make sense. I, and of course, I have a lot of latitude. It is ultimately a creative field where like you're not a director, for example, is not going to write the actual melodies and notes and, and figure out, sort out tempos and instrumentation for, for a scene. That's up to me. So I have a lot of latitude there, but at the same time, like I can't, if somebody is looking for happiness, like the emotion of happiness in a particular scene, and I'm giving them something that's not, that's a fail. I have to make sure that somebody else's vision and somebody else's path to what they, the story that they want to tell makes sense ultimately to them. And hopefully that makes sense to other people. So yeah, my entire gig here is to serve other people, whether it be just a group of directors or the entire film making crew altogether. It, it, really, it really comes down to it. And I think the upshot there is that Almost every project that I've been on, everybody recognizes that with, with, with their own role in mind. Like whether you're in craft services or mm -hmm. you're the top build actor or actress in 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 a particular film, like everybody knows what they're supposed to do, and everybody really wants to do the best job possible. And you really can't get to the best possible product if you have some entitled ego. I have to give my all to make sure everybody else is happy for two reasons one i want to be i want to I don't, I don't want people to hate me that like i don't want to come off as some sort of head case and secondly it's just more fun that way it's, it's counterintuitive but i love this concept of us all mutually working together yeah. to make to serve one another and make each other more successful all right let's move on to our next segment crossroads Was there a decision or moment in your career that was critical to getting you where you are now, Shuba? Yeah. And the decision was made for me. Let me explain. The year is about 2017, and I am working at a uh, nonprofit in Washington, D.C. as a data scientist. Ultimately, I ended up getting laid off from that place, and I was just not, I didn't have a job. And didn't have a great oh, wow. insurance package or anything like that. I was, 
I was living in Washington, DC, not the cheapest place in the world. I had it and I was financially, I was okay. I could, I had, wasn't in like in any kind of hard times or anything like that financially, but I was approaching 40 years old and I felt like I needed to, I needed to change. I spent an entire career's worth of time working in these like science-y and consulting-y type of jobs. And, you know, it's fulfilling, but a very in a very different way. And I needed to explore like my kind of just like this creative side of me that's just been there my entire life. And so I talked about it a little bit in the, in the previous segment. I just started like going to the yellow pages and figuring out like, what do I want to do? They want to, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind is that, was that, should I just go on the road and be a rock star? I play, I was playing in bands at the time, but the bands that I was in, uh, all the other folks in the bands, they're all career people too. So asking them to stop what they're doing too, because I got laid off to go on the road and live out of a, live out of a van or something like that. That's a tall ask, especially at 40 and some of these, my band members have kids and stuff. It was a non-starter. Starting my own band seemed like a really daunting task. And also the whole concept of playing rock and roll and on stage and playing shows and gigs and stuff like that was like losing its appeal a little bit. I still love, don't get me wrong, I love live music. I will never stop loving live music and I love playing for audiences. But like the whole idea just started to become, it was like, to me, it's still like a young man's game. And I wasn't really, I was losing my zeal for it. And I wanted a bigger challenge. And I had never thought about doing film before. But I, I found this guy on the Yellow Pages and uh, and, and, and uh, reached out. And that one thing led to another. He was in the middle. He had just started. He just signed on to a pretty major film project uh, called Cowboys, a documentary about actual working cowboys in the United States, uh, like pretty much in the Southwest. Yeah. Uh, and uh he was struggling, like finding a voice, like finding like a theme and motif musically. And he was working closely with a director. And I didn't know all this, by the way, like I just reached out to him. It just happened to be the right time at the right moment. And he just happened to be looking for a live violinist because he couldn't, they, they tried everything from banjos to guitars to pianos and keys. And it just wasn't hitting the marks. And uh, he asked me to, he gave, he sent me a scene and he was like, hey, compose something to this. And I had no idea what to do with it. I, I, I have film software. Like I have a recording software that I'm com comfortable. I've been recording music in my home studio forever, but I've never actually put anything towards to film or anything like that. So I just threw down a few notes to this score. Like I didn't really have any science or philosophy into scoring a major scene the scene looked awesome by the way the it was uh, a cowboy who was training for a for some sort of like rodeo competition by lassoing a bull it was like pretty intense scene shot beautifully like some of the most beautiful camera work i've ever seen in my life and i'm here with my violin i'm like Tink, what do i do what the do i accent this it, 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 I, we've all watched movies before. We don't really, not too many people think too hardly of the music. I I certainly do, but like the average viewer is not really analyzing these scenes 
second by second what's going on musically. And every single draft I was coming up with was like worse than the, than the previous. And I'm struggling. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do here. And I was like about to give up. And then I remember like most of my, a lot of my, or not most, but a lot of my ideas come like at odd hours of the day. So I remember I'm stressing. Like I'm, uh, once I'm get started on like a project like this, my brain doesn't shut off. I can't stop thinking about it to much to the detriment of like everything else going on and anything else going on in my life. It was like two or three in the morning. I wake up in a cold sweat, no joke. And then rush to my studio and I throw down what I think is, this is it. If I don't come up with something cool for this scene, it's just never going to happen. I came up with something. I thought it was awesome. Recorded it, went back to sleep, sleep on it, came, revisited it back the next morning, listened to it. I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. Sent it over to my guy. And then I was like, this is going to be it. This is the start of a brand new career. I cannot wait. I cannot, I can't wait to like, just hear this amazing feedback. I bet, watch out, Oscars. I'm coming through. About like an hour later, I get an email back from Ian. And he's Hey, this is pretty good, but I have a few notes. And <laughs> it's like a laundry list of oh gosh. Oh my God. So this is just like another pro like a, another tech project where it's an iterative kind of like thing. But the important thing is he didn't say no. He was like, this is good, right. but here's how we can improve this scene. And of course, hit all those marks and then came out with a second draft. And luckily only took a second draft. It sounded great. We submitted it to the film to, to the director. They actually loved it. It resurrected and sa and salvaged our our role on that project, that one scene, and it formed like a friendship between me and Ian at that at that moment. And from that moment forward, we ended up creating the entire like between he and I and maybe one other one other person, we created the entire score for this two hour film, which ultimately went on to some really major things. Like it won the Austin Film Festival Best Documentary in 2018. It's on Amazon Prime for, or at least it was for a while. I think you can still get it. And it's got like some serious acclaim and like did a huge film festival circuit. And the music really is like a, a major character in the film. And that's what got me started. Wow. That's, that's, and from there, I've just been getting more and more projects that that was my springboard into other projects. And once you get that wow. first good project under your belt, that serves as like your demo reel, your sizzle reel for other perspective projects. Wow. There, there's so much in there. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to list off a few things. One, I love that you made this change when you're close to 40. Mm -hmm. And the reason I, I love it is because I think it's so easy to think that you can't change after a while and that you can't, like you've been doing another job for so long, like data science. And so you must continue with it. The momentum is going in this direction. Why would I ever change? And so I think it's really important to know that you don't have to be 25 years old to go make a big career change and go find that best job or go out on a limb and go find that. So I love that one. Two, making the best of a of bad luck. Like the like a layoff is really challenging 
Absolutely. But then the ability to go, one, you had a passion that you had been cultivating for a long time in music and then being able to go out, like what well, you hustle, clearly you're going through the yellow pages, you're finding like what to go do, but, and, but being able to go then actually make the best of that is pretty magical. And I don't know, inspiring in my opinion. And sometimes you do need that kick. It's hard to do it on your own, to yeah. leave like a comfortable job. That's the hardest thing is I, I think for me and for a lot of people, like making that first initial change was, is, is daunting. Yeah, exactly. And then the, the, the other two things I just noted, because I think they're really important to just sum up, giving yourself space to actually process and create ideas. Like it's, gosh, I can't remember. I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to, I wish I had like the exact research here, but I feel like sometimes to your point about starting to actually create for this film and you come up with a bunch of ideas, you don't like any of them. They're not great. Sometimes you have to just walk away. It is important to have grit and continue on. However, it also is important to give yourself space to free associate, to think, to get a little distance from a problem. And to your point, you usually ruminate. You're usually thinking about it in the back of your head and you're making some connections uh, as you move on through your day. And who knows what jingle or what thing you heard in, as you're walking uh, through DC that will help inspire the piece that actually turned into what made it into the film. So anyway, I love that. And then just the, the, la the last part, to your point, I I love that the friendship with Union and how that, that helped kick off. F finding a perfect, a good collaborator is magical. And it's not, and by the way, a good collaborator will push you, in my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. like you, you thought you had it and then Ian yeah. came back and said, I think I can make this even better. And I bet you there have been times that you've come back to Ian and said, hey man, like, what, what you've done is great, but also here. And I, and I think that's an important thing too, like finding those collaborators that will push you and make you better. Yeah, I'll relate it to something I know you know very well and dear is tennis. Like the best tennis players have the best uh, hitting partners. So, and yep. those hitting partners are the people that you never even hear of uh, or hear about. These are the guys behind the scenes. And uh, they're the ones that ultimately make Serena Williams who they are, or I don't know. <laughs> Daniel Medvedev, who they are. I don't know. I'm getting weird. No, I, I love it. I love it. All right. It's time for our final segment. A message to a future traveler. What's one piece of advice that you have for people trying to find their best job? Oh, man. Winter is coming, Alex. Filming always has a weird schedule and there's going to be lean times of the year, sometimes lean part times of like a span of years and either projects aren't being made or you're being overlooked for projects and it's not from lack of trying is a freelance word when you have in a freelance gig, when you have to hustle, beg, borrow, and deal sometimes to just get onto a project. Uh, you're going to get overlooked for a variety of reasons. And there's going to be some lean times. My advice is don't let any of those lean times <laughs> deter you from seeking out your passion. Like if you've got the chops, if you've got the ability, if you have the drive and the hustle, got to keep at it. I watched this show on HBO Max. I'm not a football fan whatsoever, but I really love the Hard Knock series. And 
this year they were profiling the Miami Dolphins, like the in-season Miami Dolphins. And uh, the head coach of the Dolphins, who I, from episode one, I absolutely just fell in love with this dude. This guy named Mike McDonald, Mike McDaniel, sorry. And he's just, he just comes across like this kind of punk emo stoner kid, but he's the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who was like a really, they were a really successful team this year. They made it to the playoffs. They're in contention to win their division, blah, blah, blah. But he had his demons. Like he was an alcoholic and that ultimately uh, led to some adverse effects and decisions against him uh, very, like through various times of his career in the NFL. And there was a point, there was a time where he was out of a job for something like 870 days or something like that, or 800, 900 days or something like that. And that affected his family, his financial future. He had a wife and a kid at the time. It was like they they didn't know what the next step was going to be. If he was just going to be out of football altogether, they fast forwarded to a shot of Mike McDaniel's desk at the you know Miami Dolphins facility, and he has an index card with the number eight hundred sixty or eight hundred seven, whatever whatever number is, and then they explained that. He has that with him everywhere he goes because that's the number of days he was without a job. And for that to be, to serve as a visual reminder of never having that going down that path again. And also that things are going to be okay. And that, that really resonated with me, especially with like the stuff that I do here in filming. Like I've gone through stretches without any gig whatsoever. Luckily I have some other stuff to fall back on, but even if I didn't, like it wouldn't really adversely affect my worldview because there is that there when we go into not desperation mode but like into that hunger mode certain other like instincts kick in and i like that when they kick in because they also light up other parts of my creative brain to think in different ways like i write music differently and i see the world differently when there's different things lighting up in my brain so i almost like actively look for those it reinforces just like like your natural approach into how you solve these problems to begin with. But at the same time, like you're in that hunger mode. It's going to make the music, it's going to make the product better if you let it, if you let it make you better. Shiva, thank you so much ah, for, thank you. for the time today. I really do appreciate it. And it's always a lot of fun to talk with you. I love your show. I love... Uh, what, you, what you're doing here. And this is like such a great forum for, for both the listeners. And then this is a pure joy for me. I, I know I ramble on and, and I sound like death right now. I'm you know, fighting off a cold, but at the same time, this is a great way to spend a Saturday. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Shiva. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, Send it to a friend and give us a follow. We're looking forward to making more of the best job I've ever had. Did I hear that you were nominated for an Emmy? A funny story. It was for a film that I worked on a couple of years ago. A documentary, international documentary. And it was in the can. I'd forgotten about it for a little while. I got a call out of the blue last summer. And uh, it's the filmmaker from the, from that film. 
telling us that we've been nominated for an Emmy, including for best original score for an international documentary. We didn't win, unfortunately, but holy crap, what a fun end of 2023. I'm sure there'll be more awards to come. Uh, that's so, that is so cool. 